Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome everybody to another episode of EST. This is actually our 28th episode, and we're going to be talking about something that one of our co-hosts actually wrote on a blog post that I saw shared out a number of times, so it's something that obviously is hitting a nerve with people, and that topic is friends, particularly friends of the pastor. How does a pastor know how to identify who is actually being a friend within their congregation, maybe with outside of their congregation, maybe other pastors, how to get along and even sort of identify those people you want to be open and honest and raw with. Before we do jump into that episode, I want to share with our listeners our uh, deep love and appreciation for CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, who is sponsoring this episode and many other episodes. It is my personal favorite. I can say that with absolute honesty. I love the faithfulness and true truth of this, the uh, translation. It's an actual translation, not a revision. It's not a version. It's a translation from the original language. It's something that you can faithfully preach and teach from, even study, and it's something that is so attainable, something so easy to understand that you can pass this on to children or other people within your congregation and encourage them to read it. I know both of my co-hosts read and love the CSB, so I want to encourage you to check out csbible.com, csbible.com. You can also find it available on many, many other platforms. Sam and Micah, Sam, we talked about how this is a podcast or a, a post. This podcast is generated from a post of yours talking about friends. Share with us a little bit about what you wrote in that article, in that post about pastor friends? I've got friends in low places, and a friend's a friend's forever. They are. <laughs> if the Lord's the Lord of men. I love Oh, this. my gosh. Oh. <laughs> that would make an amazing mashup with, <laughs> to do those two songs. I'm, so sure amaz- I'm not sure amazing is the appropriate <laughs> It would certainly be interesting. But, you know, Michael W. Whatever. and Garth live. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Friends. All right. So, yeah, um, True friends. It's one of those questions. It's one. Of, how do you know your true friends? Mm. Particularly, and the post that I wrote was about people in the church. So, pastors, you're called to shepherd your people. You're called to lead your people and disciple um, the church. But certainly, you have friends in the church. I, and, and quite frankly, I, I believe you should. So, I, you know, some. I, I know that there's those who might struggle with this. You know, I'm. Here I am. I'm the lead pastor, or I'm a pastor in the church, and um, having having friends is kind of a difficult thing. And, and I would agree with that because, man, you can get yourself in trouble if you vent to the wrong person, if you confess sin to the wrong person, um, if you're just having a bad day and you need to yell and cuss at somebody. Um, there are certain people in the church that you might want to call. Some people you may not want to call. Um, so. <laughs> Big picture, I do think pastors need to have friends within their congregations, but the question that I kind of thought in my head was, how do I discern that? Mm. You know, how, how do I know? Right. Um, how do I know who my true friends are? Um, and, and by true friends, I mean, you got people in your church that are friendly to you. They love you. They respect you. But they may not be that phone call that you make when, you know, you just need to vent 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what you know, the, I just what were the top kind of factors there where you were in the post if they haven't read it yet? Obviously, they should yeah. read it. But well, I, everyone everyone reads my blog, so I'm sure everyone has already yeah I've already yeah. has already checked this out. But... Quite familiar with it. So just sum it up. <laughs> then sum it up. Yeah. All right. So I, I think true friends are loyal. They stay loyal even when you're ugly. Okay. I mean, I know that's hard to believe, but I do have ugly moments. I do have mean moments. Um, and, and true friends, they stick with you. I mean, they may call you out. They probably should call you out when, when you have those ugly moments, but they're loyal through that. Um, they're the ones that take heat for you, um, and with you. So I had a, I had a difficult moment in ministry. I've had, I've had a few, but I had one really difficult moment in ministry, um, where I won't get into the details, but it, it was just, it was bad. And I had a guy in the church who who was who was a friend, a very good friend, who in the in the service came up, knew what was going on. At that point, the church knew what was going on too. Um, and in the service, while we're singing, came up, stood literally stood by me, put his arm around me, and through the whole service, just made a statement to the congregation, "I'm with this guy." Mm. You know, that's a true friend right there. Um, they, if they're willing to take heat. For you and with you, that's a true friend. And then I think they encourage you. I think they take the initiative. The, the people that are always texting you, just saying, hey, praying for you, love you, um, thanks for whatever, um, those are those are your friends. And then the ones that pray for you, I mean, hopefully your true friends are, are, are praying for you often. So that's the summary of the post, but I'm sure you guys have stuff you want to add to that. Sure. Michael, what do you have to add to that? Well, first of all, have you ever heard the advice— you shouldn't have friends within the congregation. Do you I, agree? I have absolutely yeah. heard that. You agree, disagree, and why? Profoundly disagree. Okay. Profoundly disagree. Um, here's the thing: you shouldn't have friends in the church if you view the church as a professional environment, and you, as a professional, who have a something of a professional responsibility to lead them strategically. However, if you view the church as an Organ, as an organism rather than an organization, and I'm not saying the church isn't organizational and doesn't need to be organized because it does, but if you view the church as an organism and if you view the church as a family, then um, you can't lead a family unless you're a part of the family. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it dep- depends on how you view the church and how you view your role in the church. Now, to do that I, that, I don't think every pastor can walk in right off the bat and all of a sudden just assume that, that they're a family, the church is a family, and we're all going to get along, and I can spill my guts to whoever I want at any time. I'm not saying that at all. Because most churches aren't taught that they're a family. Most churches think like an organization rather than organi- – well, and I shouldn't say most churches. There are some churches, particularly often tend to be very small churches, uh, that can be a little more like a small family. But Sometimes generally they are speak- all family. And sometimes they are all family. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, I think we tend to think more organizationally. The church is a place we go or it's something we do rather than a people we are. And if and so I would say as a pastor, yes, you need friends in the church just from the perspective that the church is a family and you need to be part of that. And But it may take some teaching and modeling for a few years before you get there. But beyond that, the pastor needs friends in the church uh, because worship is intend, uh, worship and spiritual growth is intended to be a communal experience. And if you're isolated, you can't grow as a believer the way God designed you. Pastors need church community to grow just like the people need. And I think sometimes that's a misconception, both on the people's part and on the pastor's part. I'm here to lead. 
Well, I tell our staff all the time, if the only thing you ever show up to do at church is something you're in charge of, then you're doing it wrong. Mm. We need to constantly be placing ourselves in positions of humility and, and learning from me all the way down. And uh, that's what it looks like when we're growing and functioning as a family in the context of relationship where we're being shaped together in community. Mm. Well, Sam shared about this friend of his who walked up, put his arm around him in the service. I think that would be a massive statement. That's a very good statement. But what about you, Micah? Do you have any telltale signs that if a if a people do this, maybe they're over at your house for dinner or something like that, they do this, you know, mm, this may not be a friend of mine, or this could be a this could be somebody who is friendly. You got anything yes. like that? Yeah, yeah, those are good questions. So, um, <laughs> to me, determining who a friend is in the church is a lot like just determining who a friend is in regular life. Sure. And it's just going to take some time. And here's the deal. I tend to be pretty transparent. I tend to live a sort of wide open sort of life. I probably spill my guts more than I should. I probably share more than I should. I do it from the pulpit. I do it in the office. I just, that's who I am. And so I'm a little bit more at risk just because of my personality. But even still, for most of us, including someone like me, it takes time. I mean, I need to see if someone's trustworthy. I need to find out if I can, you know, trust them not to use what I'm provide, you know, the information I give them somehow to hurt me or to advance an agenda or if they're just going to care for me. So that's on that side, it's determining who's legitimately just cares and wants to have your best interest at heart and wants to be a friend. That's that takes longer. To me, it's a little easier to often determine who doesn't have those mm. desires what, at heart. What are some of those? And so, for instance, someone said to me once, when you go to a new ministry position, the first group of people that comes up to you and says, Pastor, we're on your side and we're for you, mm. always be leery of those folks. Yep. And at first I thought, well, geez, that's kind of cynical. I, you know. But I've been in a number of ministry positions, and it's consistently proven to be true It is, over it is so true. Yeah. I know. It, it is shockingly It's uncannily true. true. The first, and a great example of this. Um, a church that I previously was a pastor at, senior pastor, I was in my first month in my position and it was a Wednesday evening prayer meeting and I, I walked them through a Bible study and then we broke up into small groups to pray. So I'm in a group with three other men and one of the other men says to the, to the other men in the circle, Hey, we need to pray for pastor Micah. He's new. He's going to be casting vision. He's going to be preaching. And there are going to be some folks who, cause uh, you know, there are going to be folks who are not going to love what he has to say. And we just need to pray that the Lord protects him and that people will be unified behind him. He was the first person to leave the church because he got mad at me for something I did. (laughs) He was was the very first person to leave the church and go to another church in town because he got mad at something I did. And so the way way I kind of uh, encapsulate that idea is often I say, and it, it applies to so many areas, is barking dogs don't bite. The most vocal people are not the ones that will actually fight with you alongside Either way. Uh, and, you know, I say it same, too. If you're afraid of some people that are causing a little trouble, usually they're just mouths. You can address that later because they don't actually bite. But that's a great point. The first people to be vocal or to come to the office, those are some to be careful about. You got any more? Yeah. Yeah. Those And, and <clears throat> I would say <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, the other thing that I'm very, very leery about is people who try to get close to my wife to manipulate me. And in every church I've ever served, those folks exist. And so I want to be very careful with, you know, so I tend to be more gregarious and open. My wife tends to be a lot more closed and um, introverted. And so she's slower to make friends. But when I see someone 
and it depends. I mean, I, often there are people who are aggressive and gracious and loving to my wife, and they make great friends. But there have been, in most churches I've served, a few people who have been very aggressive with my wife. And it doesn't take very long, even the first time or two they're together, when they're saying, saying things like, well, wouldn't it be great if Micah believed? Or wouldn't it be great if Micah did? Or wouldn't it be great if Micah said? And initially it's couched in those sorts of terms, but it's manipulative, trying to use Tracy to ask me to do or believe or, or say certain things. And so uh, Tracy and I talk about that a lot. She's always quick to say, hey, what do you think about this? And if I, if I even begin to sniff out that that sort of thing's happening, then I start avoiding those individuals unless, you know, unless I, I don't avoid them completely, but we don't trust them with information. She doesn't and I don't, either one. Sam, you got any uh, signs of who's not friendly? Yeah, um, I've, I've unfortunately got plenty of stories uh mm-hmm. to to be able to tell um there i won't i won't get to too much detail but i, I will say this one of the things if, if you're a lead pastor and you have a staff um I, I would caution you um you know with friends on staff which again i'm not against it's just it's a little it's even a little harder than say a, a congregate someone you know someone who's in your church um, I, I actually had an experience where i had i had one staff person at, at a previous church not my current one who came to me, this was while I was interviewing, and said, my number one role is to make sure that I support the lead pastor and everything that the lead pastor does. And just, you know, just went on and on and on and on about how his whole calling mm-hmm. is to support the lead pastor, to do everything he can for the lead pastor. And, and I was just like, all right, dude, man, that that's great. I'm just glad to be working with you guys. But it was so over the top. That it, it should have caught my attention, you know. Yeah. It didn't, it, and I, I should have known better. Um, but there were some warning signs there, and and guess who the very first person was <laughs> to stab me in the back? No, you know, because you you open up to staff, you say things perhaps more to staff than you do to people in the church. Man, the very first person to to do that to me was uh, was him, and he was on staff. Yeah. Um, so. You just have to be real careful. That uh, I don't. I'm not against it, but particularly with staff, you, you do need to be a little more cautious. Mm-hmm. And you got to understand if you're listening and you're not the boss, pastor, whatever role you call that, or you know the the supervisor, you got to be careful with your expectations on that person because a lot of them will feel that they need to be friends uh, because you're so you're working close together. A lot of times you're very similar in age. You're along those battle lines, but. Uh, th- that that's best done over time and carefully. It doesn't happen immediately just because uh, they come in. You're not immediately friends with them, and you need to be careful with setting your expectations in that way. A couple of things that I do um, that, that are really key to me, when somebody's checking out our church, let's say they're brand new, they're coming in, I'm always very uh, aware of how they speak of the previous pastor. Even if I know and don't like that pastor, I don't expect ever for anybody to come in and just tell me all of this junk that they think that guy did. Being a lead pastor has taught me when it comes to leadership, if you're not in that seat, you have almost no idea about all of the factors that that person is trying to think through and trying to make those decisions. And so, you know, you never know. So if they come in and they're just giving me this laundry list of how horrible— Micah was when they were at his church and all this kind of I'm not 
I immediately go, oh, that's great. <laughs> go back to Micah because this is going to be a problem person. Almost <laughs> always it's a problem person. Not always. And sometimes the pastor does treat these people poorly. And, and sometimes it's just a conflict in personality. And my personality and their personality get along a lot better. And so it works out. Another thing. Hey, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say something. Well, I was just going to say you bring up a fantastic point. Be leery of people who have already been members of two or three churches in your city. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, you know, the number one reason for any growth in American churches is transfer growth. Mm-hmm. But but always, and, and while there are certainly times when there's legitimate reason for someone to leave a church and go to another church in the city, please don't hear me say that that's always problematic. There's certainly times when it's legitimate. <clears throat> but remember, if they left a previous church, they can and will leave your church. Mm-hmm. And if they've left, left multiple previous churches, I've nearly never met anyone who was a member of two plus churches in one local area who don't have some character issues. Um, and they always blame it on pastors or leadership or whatever the case might be. But those oh, are folks I would be very careful with. Similar to that group is the repeat offenders. They, they've they left your church three or four times, and now they're back that you're now starting. And, and they yeah, want to be right. your friend. And, well, the past three guys. And here's the here's the danger with this, uh, friends. The It's flattering. It feels good when uh, they come from the big church down the road and they're telling you about how, well, that 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 person over there, he he's leading this place all wrong. But you, you're a better pastor. I've noticed what you're doing. So it feels it feels much more flattering. Another thing on a personal level, and this is just true of friends in general. So, of course, it's going to be true where you are. If they will dish or gossip or if they have a loose tongue about their other friends. They're mm-hmm. going to they're going to talk about you. I, I tell the the congregation this all the time. If they gossip to you, they will gossip about you. Don't trust those people. They gossips are never to be trusted. Period. And I can't I can't tell you how often um, pastor spouses will will build friendships with some of these gossip. These gossips love to buddy up to the leadership. They love to be the first to know. They love to be the one to share that kind of information. And a lot of times they seem or appear to be sort of an influencer or a person who gets things done. You've got to be very careful about these people who want to be the first to know things. Some of my best friends within the church will constantly tell me, I don't need to know any of that. You can share with me if you want, but I don't want to know kind of what's going on over there. I just sense something's going on. I'm praying for you. You know, they, they're, they're keeping a distance between the knowledge and the friendship, which I think is, is super helpful. Can we can we uh, take a side note here? How how do you deal with other pastor friends, and what are some of the complexities that do? I think you need those. I think you desperately need those. But how do you how do you manage? They, they are competition and to be destroyed. Okay, all right. Even I'm from coming, that's one that's one view. That's not my view, but that, that's one view. <laughs> I'm coming for both of you too. Uh, it's a long drive. I've got. A little I, bit I need of your campus. I, I'm 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 outgrowing mine, and I want to merge. So. Mm-hmm. Or the next big thing that opens up, you know, I don't want them to look at you. I want them to look at me, you know. Yeah, competition. So how do you handle some of that? You know, I've had some places of ministry where it was a lot harder. Here where I am now in Bradenton, Florida, it has been really easy to be friends with the area pastors for for whatever reason. Maybe it's a God thing. I don't know, Holy Spirit. Maybe we're actually following what God wants us to do, and it's just working. 
but for for whatever reason it has just clicked here with the area pastors and and I have got I don't know 6 to 10 friends that and they all pastor in this town um so I, I don't know I, I I'm just rambling right now but mm-hmm. well, uh I, well, I've really been blessed I've really been blessed since I've been here with with those friends and we're we're constantly communicating with each other, emailing each other, joking with each other, talking and sharing, and um, it's it's you know it's it's been ideal, really. What I would encourage people to think through is your closest pastor friends do not need to be ministering near you. They can be anywhere. We have technology. Talk to each other. The other side of that is they also do not need to. Hang on, back back up, back up, back up for just a second, Josh. Yeah. You said they don't need to be near you. I think what you meant by that is they don't have to be near you, right? Because it's good. Be it's you. good to be yeah. good to have friends who are close. Because sure. it sounded like you were. Saying it's not good to have pastor no, friends. No, no. Are... If they are close, that's great. But yeah. On the other side of that, it's also helpful because it doesn't include some of that competition sort of vibe. You're not close enough to really affect each other's churches. You're just close enough to or you're close relationally enough to encourage one another. So they don't have to be near you. So I would encourage some, the reason I'm saying this is some pastors talk about being lonely. Well, they're they're They talk about that because there's only four or five other churches in town who have, you know, a similar position to theirs. And they, they, for whatever reason, can't get close to those people. So what I would say is, well, you know, Talk to people that are in distant relationships. Besides you two guys, I talk to you guys all the time about every aspect of my ministry. You're in Chattanooga. You're in Florida. I have another one that was off in New Mexico. Now he's in Amarillo, which is barely closer. And so, and then I have another one that's about an hour, hour and a half south. We have a lot of friends. They, they're not necessarily in our area. The other key to that is they don't have to pastor or believe just like you do. In fact, it's good if they, uh, you know, I don't know any, none of my closest pastor friends have elder-led churches. That's so to be clear, Josh is encouraging you to have heretics for friends as a way to manage the stress of being a pastor. Yes. I just want to make sure that, in fact, clear, good, all of my friends stone. are heretics. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, you know, it just, clicked, it just clicked in my head why it's working here. Every one of us cares more about each other than we do transfer growth. I think that's the secret to why, at least why it's working here in Bradenton. Like okay. I, all of these guys truly care about me more than they do their church growing with, with people from other churches. And I, and I think when you get to that point, that that's a, that's a good friend. I, I would for think a moment there, you were getting all sentimental about me and Micah. Like <laughs> why this is working. Michael W. Smith was playing in the background. It was, yes. it's, like, it's like the last day of camp. And don't, <laughs> don't, don't get that song stuck in my head. Please <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I know, I started it. I started yes. it. Hey. So, I mean, so you just got to be careful. I've seen friendships, pastoral friends, they they're, they're more about debating each other about the intricacies of their church, and they're saying, well, if I was there, I would do this. And they get kind of irritated with one another, and it just really doesn't matter. Like, be encouraging to one another, and let them pastor their way. The best friendships I've seen, the ones that last the longest— you look at those guys' churches, and you're like, man, y'all's churches are nothing alike. I wouldn't have never figured you guys would be friends. But they are because that's not the important thing, I think, in this. Sam, in this is your, are, your, are your eyebrows raising for his misuse of grammar in that past sentence? I'm just you know, curious how the Rainer you know, in you is doing. <laughs> I, I do care a lot about grammar. I am not nearly – my dad is – I know that's my point. Not. I remember. <laughs> I was no, in no, 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 no. He's bad. <laughs> I don't care I so much about, about spoken. About 
I don't care so much about spoken poor grammar. It's written because yes. written, the written form is such a formal way of communicating. I, I'm yeah, really was, big on the written form, but, think, think but we're completely off track now. I, I was just sitting here thinking, and I haven't really thought this through until the last couple of minutes when we've been talking through this. I have a few friends who are pastors. But I mean, good close friends who are pastors probably number less than five for me. I have one good pastor friend in Chattanooga who is 25 years older than me. And almost all the rest of my friends are in ministry, but they're not pastors. They're professors, denominational employees. Part of that's because that's a part of the world I've lived in the past few years. But it's, I don't know what that says about me, but it's intriguing, I guess, to me that most of my friends aren't pastors. And I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing, I mean, you guys know me. I, if you look up extrovert in a dictionary, it's, it's probably a picture of my face there somewhere. I mean, I'm a big extrovert, but since I've been in Chattanooga, part of it's been just the, the overwhelming amount of time I've put in here at the church. I mean, it's been busy and my schedules are packed, but I've just not developed a whole lot of friendships here locally with, with pastors. So I'm kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum from you, Sam. Um, I have one good friend that I actually met. We weren't in Chattanooga. We were down in Atlanta at an event and met each other and found out we were both from Chattanooga and we've become good friends, but that's about the extent of it. Hmm. Yeah, I think when you go to an area, you should try to at least open that that offer of friendship to all of the local pastors, local ministers. And what I have found is those forced—this is just a person—I'm just going to personal opinion. Those forced engagements where all of the pastors from different denominations are all sitting in a room and, and they're going to be, like, working alongside— that just doesn't work. We're actually different because of actual reasons that go back, like, hundreds of years, and they're deeply rooted in our education and our perspectives on life. I don't think we should be enemies necessarily, some of them definitely, but we should be kind of working alongside of each other. What I found here, the closest people that were most friendly to me when I came was actually not the other Baptist. In fact, those were the least friendly. The most friendly was the Assemblies of God, and they still to this day are you know six years into this, I get random text messages all the time from the worship minister over at the Assemblies of God and it's just, hey, I was praying about you today or I was thinking about you or how did that thing go? And that's one of the closest relationships I have is not a lead pastor at a Baptist church. It's the worship Dude, you minister know at an AG church. If we had to rank friendliest denominations, like the mm-hmm. top 10 friendliest denominations, that'd be a very dangerous exercise. I was going to say, a lot of fun. I'm starting to sweat just thinking about you going there right now. <laughs> Because I, I really want to do this, but you know it. what? We'll do it offline. In my my personal experience, the assemblies would be number one. Man, I just never find one. I never run into one that's not just the kindest people. I love those guys and ladies. Oh, they're great. I, I have yeah. I've yet to have a bad experience, friendship wise, right, with an assemblies pastor. So I I don't know. I'm sure there's listeners out there that have had the opposite experience but i would just encourage people to you know you got to be friendly to make friends that's that seems to be something that's missing particularly in my generation maybe the generation above me is even worse at that you've got to be friendly to make friends and so and friends are needed friends within the congregation outside of the congregation my last thought on this i've 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 often shared this with other pastors is sort of the doctor analogy You've got different people, and if you remember that part of your role as a pastor, as a minister, as a Christian, is to minister to those that are sick and dying spiritually. Well, if they're sick and they're really, really sick, you'll take precautions like a doctor does. You might have a mask on. You might have gloves on. You take some precautions. There's a distance between you and those you are 
ministering to. Then you've got those who are just sort of your family doctor, kind of like a checkup. And when I go see my, my regular doctor, he's not wearing a mask or gloves or anything. He just sits there and talks. He shakes my hand, and, and we chat, and we're kind of open about some things. Well, I mean, he's I'm much more open about things than he is. I, he knows a lot more about me, and but I don't know a lot about, I don't know anything about his medical history or things like this. So that's kind of that relationship. But then doctor to doctor, pastor to pastor, minister to minister. And it's not just pastor to pastor. It's just, it could be the small group leader in your church. It could be other people, as Micah, you said, other people, they're all in ministry. They're just not all lead pastor. Those are the kind of people that really understand where you are. You don't have to have precautions. They're taking the same precautions and they can, pour into your life without a lot of it affecting them. So I think that there is a difference in the health of the person that you're dealing with. And uh, it doesn't, I mean, and if you think about it the other way, it doesn't do you any good if you're sick trying to minister to the sick. So you got to take some of those precautions, I think. And it's just a very, and when you think that way, you think to yourself, is this a patient? Is this a person who needs to be, is this a, battlefield patient or is this uh just a checkup or is this a, a c- close confidant i think that can help you in how open you are final thoughts we've got we're out of time but final thoughts you know i'll just be crude always <laughs> all of my close friends we can joke about poop okay that I, that is the one common theme is I've, I've bathroom that humor you. yeah ba- bathroom that. humor if if we if we can joke about bathroom humor, we're, we're in. So I I don't know the particular theological implications of that, but scubala, scubala. <laughs> Micah, do you have any final thoughts on poop? Or I don't else? have any clue what to say in response to that. Because <laughs> see, kind of the opposite. If my friends are constantly talking about bathroom humor, I'm going to cut off the friendship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to go how the other have way. we survived then, Mike? I don't how know, have we man. survived? I don't know how we've survived at all. It's just yeah. It's, I, I mean, I just think the issue is um, pastors need friends, mm-hmm. and I think if you don't have friends, go get friends. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to make it flippant, and I don't mean to make it sound easy, but if you're lonely, you need to go find ways to have friends with people, and that that's going to mean putting yourself. For me, a lot of that changed when I. You know, I would go to my denomination's monthly prayer meetings or whatever and never could connect and meet with friends. And I found a multi-denominational group that was meeting. I said, well, I'm just going to go try it. And this is the last church I pastored. And that's where my good friends came from. And I'm like, you guys, none of them were part of my own denomination, or basically none of them were part of my own denomination. And uh, But they became the best friends I've got. Go find places. Put yourself out there. Josh is right. You know, you got to be friendly to make friends. And uh, and just trust the Lord to kind of provide for that, provide that for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the friends of the show is Ryan Hayden. He's a pastor in Mattoon, Illinois. He has Illinois. I always put the S on the end of that because I'm from Texas, and he's from Illinois. Uh, he has created and developed a resource for churches, a number of resources for churches. You can find those at simplechurchtools.com, in particular one that he is particularly proud of and I find uh, to be pretty useful for a church is the simple church prayer tool that he has created this tool will allow you to organize your church prayer requests quickly generate printed prayer handouts even give your members a prayer request app it's just a great resource for those of you who are kind of managing that aspect of the ministry as we all know prayer is incredibly uh, important to the church 
And so this is a tool that will help you check that out. Check it out at simplechurchtools.com, simplechurchtools.com. That's all we have for this show today. Hope you'll join us next week. We are praying for you, and we hope that you, uh, we hope that you make some friends. Have a great week.